Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcast starts now. Hello, listeners, glamour girls, and general people. I, if you're hearing the sound of my voice, you are listening to the podcast Radio Lab that is hosted by me, Sam Taggart, and George Severus, and is officially two years old today. Wow, chills, chills. That that was crazy to say out loud. And let's take a moment with that. I think. Yeah, let's pause on that. I think so often we feel like we need to immediately comment on something. And if there's anything I've learned from doing a podcast where we release a total of six one and a half, one and a half hour episodes a month, it's that you don't always have to comment on everything. <laughs> I think what I've learned doing a podcast is that so much of culture right now, it's it's hot takes. It's exactly. it's it's uninformed um sort of lashing out uh, just just for for clicks and for shares and for likes. There are too many hot takes and not as many cold gives. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, I want to take a moment. Yeah. And just say, yeah, we've had a podcast for two years. And that's not good or bad. It's just a fact. (laughs) (laughs) And so many people, I'll say it, so many of the you know, woke right. sort of yeah. Twitter sphere people. They want to put keyboard a moral warriors. judgment. The keyboard warriors, they want to put a moral judgment on 
you know, oh, it's bad that you have a podcast because that means you're not as successful as your peers. Or, <laughs> <you're>, oh. <laughs> or, they, or they say, oh, 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 it's good that you have a podcast because, you know, you get to talk you're more successful your... than your peers. <laughs> it's, it's unclear. Basically, there's a raging debate going on about whether the fact that we've had a podcast for two years means that we are more or less successful than our peers. And these keyboard warriors are so obsessed with trying to get to the bottom of it. And it's like, hey, 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 hey. It's not about whether or not we're more or less successful than our peers. It's it's about being successful generally. It's about literally doing a podcast. <laughs> Sometimes things don't need to have a deeper meaning. Wow. And yeah, we've had one for two years. Yeah. And that's one more than one year and one less than three years. And I actually can't think of a better spot to be in for a podcast because some of these people, I won't name any names, but they have podcasts that they've had for three, four right. years. Even more. Sometimes some six, seven yeah. years. And it's like, yeah, maybe, yeah, you're you're doing it still. Yeah. But do you want but to? But to what end? Yeah. At that point, if you haven't turned it, turned it into a deal with Paramount Plus, then where is it going? <laughs> It's time to hang it up, darling. It's time to hang it up. And But two years, oh, it's such a beautiful, our future is bright, our past is honored, and we have nothing but good vibes coming up. The past has never been more honored, and <laughs> I just want to verbally promise that in five years, if we're still doing this podcast, that means, first of all, we've both gotten full body replacement surgeries from all our money. We both look like Channing Tatum. And second of all, we will have a deal with one of America, I would say not even with a streaming platform, with something even more powerful, with AT&T Corp, the, oh, the actual yeah. parent company. We're going right. To, I, I would say we, I want to deal with GM. <laughs> I could not agree more. So many of our peers, whether mm -hmm. whether you say they're more or less successful than us, it doesn't matter. The, what What's different about us and them is that they're shooting for you know, the space, this like, they're like, oh, I want to be on HBO Max. Or yes. like, oh, I, I think it would be cool to like work, have a sitcom on NBC. Right. And it's like, no, we're actually, we're thinking so much bigger than that. And it's like, we literally want to be bought by the AT&T Corporation. <laughs> exactly. And and I think it's more like so many people in entertainment uh, have one huge flaw which is that they work in entertainment and that has never limited us like to us it's like all corporations are the same and actually that's liberating because you think some people are having you know moral issues of like should i work with disney because they're donating to uh you know i i don't know the details but uh kind of you know protesting gay weddings or something <laughs> Yeah, we're still looking for the details on that one. They're actually they're they're Disney Disney is pro Prop Eight in California, and it needs to be stopped. <laughs> um, but you know, people have moral qualms with working with Disney because of that, and and we're like, babe, we're working with the U.S. military. <laughs> I'm I was literally gonna say like the defense budget is so big because they're gonna buy us. Well, also like basically any time. You accept money from the U.S. military, you're doing a service because less money is going to purchasing weapons and starting more wars. Like if we let's say, for instance, and I'm not saying this is in the works, but it might be. Let's say, for instance, we have a deal with the U.S. military where each gun also plays Stradio Lab if you press a button. <laughs> OK, please explain to me how that's not a net positive effect on global politics. Like 
more soldiers listening to queer voices, mm -hmm. less money going to making more guns. Well, they, they would have to still make the guns that play the episode of Stradio Lab. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the money they're giving, like, they are updating existing guns rather than making more guns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that it really gets to something that, like, you know, war, it's more than about physical violence. You also need to be fighting the war on a on a informational way. 100%. Uh, on, on an emotional level, you need to be fighting this war. And, and in, in this case, that would be by playing our podcast. I mean, I do think, I'm sorry, but, like, it is more effective to have guns that play Stradio Lab... <laughs> than to have like a street protest that is anti-war. I mean, what soldiers are going to see that? They're literally at war. They're literally out to war. They can't see your little protest. What they can do is shoot their gun that actually plays our podcast and hear our voices change their minds. And yeah, we're in the process of hacking the guns so that <laughs> rather than shooting them, all they do is press play. Like this is them listening to it while committing atrocities is step one step two is replacing the atrocities with the podcast when we're done war will have been turned into queer podcasting i've always said that we were soldiers in our own way i've always said that yes well and are we winning the war who's to say but we are two years into it and if bush has taught me anything if president bush taught me anything it's that being two years into a war is mission accomplished vibes no matter what how you're doing that or what it's kind of a branding thing war winning a war is all about branding like literally Sometimes, literally yes <laughs> well also it's like you know it's like a war is the the longer it takes obviously the worse it is for everyone involved right so you would think like oh my god you know george bush obama these people are failing because their wars are still going on but for them they're like well the longer we keep going it's like oh it's been renewed for another season that's a positive thing like it's like well we keep you know yes it has jumped the shark in the sense that it has you know it has is creating problems around the world but at the same time like it's employing a lot of people a lot of people have jobs and that is kind of uh the crux of american foreign policy i would say <laughs> i think we pretty much figured it out so it's it's good that we're getting in the game yeah it's really nice and we couldn't be more excited. Everyone at U.S. military that we've met with so far has been super nice. Like, yeah, they've been really nice. You can just feel that they're like a family over there, and it's like totally super, super chill. Their offices are incredible. They haven't said whether or not we'll get to record in the offices of the U.S. military, but I hope so because they are to die for. Like kombucha on tap, like free lunch they have these every day. Free lunch. They have these like American flag branded fidget spinners that everyone gets as like a welcome gift. And they're so cute, I feel. They're so cute. And, you know, everyone's kids love them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get there to the offices of the U.S. military and you kind of forget what's going on in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's by design. <laughs> it's it's very that, um, that meme of the guy in the club that's like, you know, they're outside there may be sadness, there may be anxiety, there may be death and destruction, but in this place there is there is love. Exactly. And for them, it's like outside there may be horrors beyond the average person's imagination that we ourselves have created but inside it's just good vibes <laughs> it's just good vibes just kombucha on tap and free lunch baby kombucha on tap free, yeah um so this so, episode yeah. so, yes go, go ahead sorry just if you guys are like what is going on this episode is our two-year 
celebration where we look back at sort of what what this journey has been like and sort of speak to our <laughs> incredible meteoric rise from mm -hmm. um, nobodies to podcast superstars. That's right. And a meteoric rise can mean anything. There are meteors that are like small <laughs> or medium sized. Like there are meteors that kind of like, you know, uh, get destroyed before they reach the earth. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are meteors that there are meteors that, you know, seek funding in a variety of ways. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Absolutely. There are boutique meteors. No one talks about the uh, boutique yes. meteors. <laughs> yes. There are, there are more niche meteors. There are meteors that are kind of like, you know, when they land, they land on a tiny segment of the population rather than a, a more uh, all-encompassing type thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, so a meteor, as long as it knows it's a meteor and it feels comfortable in its own skin then mm -hmm. then that's what makes it a beautiful meteor can i ask you a question sure why does it call the meteoric rise when meteors fall <laughs> i'm sorry but that's the most genius question i've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life like, like, okay, what wait. are we talking about <laughs> like a meteor is literally something that descends on the earth and wreaks havoc why would i describe something good as a meteoric rise okay first of all uh, to this question even i want to say jerry seinfeld found dead in a fucking ditch <laughs> this question is sort of the peak of the how come this mm -hmm. um it's also i want to say like 2000 early 2000s like paris hilton jessica simpson found it in a ditch like oh it's very is this is it chicken or is it fish yes because it's chicken of the sea so is it chicken or is it fish so this question there's obviously a lot of history that you're drawing from and right. i think it's beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah um why is it a meteoric rise i mean i am i'm stumped <laughs> like i don't even have a joke answer to this i'm like i have this this thing this phrase we've been using our entire lives is completely false Meteoric rise. It's just, it's. <laughs> this is so stupid. I've never been so at a loss. I'm like because it's fast because meteors are fast. Right. It's just it's more kind of like okay. I mean, I guess if you're from the perspective of literally another planet, it's rising because it's going to Earth. <laughs> like, like yeah. I guess if you're like literally at the space station from Gravity, starring Sandra Bullock, then like sure you're like seeing the meteor rise in uh, in relation to where you are yeah i have no idea i would love for whoever invented this phrase to come out of hiding and explain themselves do you think there, there's probably some like space scientist that's listening to this and his ears are bleeding and he's like you're not getting it <laughs> well i am trying to think like are we saying the phrase wrong? Like, is it not like a meteor in the way that no. we think? <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Like, is it like something else that sounds like almost like how in eighth grade I thought it was taken for granite, like rock? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it's like how people say for all intensive purposes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or how um, I thought it was Julie Art. That I cannot believe. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't listened to, to that episode, and I wish I could remember which episode it was, Sam thought that Juilliard School for Performing Arts was Juilliard because it's an art school. <laughs> Makes um, complete sense to me. <laughs> wasn't there another one? It wasn't like Pulitzer, but it was like another thing. Um, we made the joke where it was like Harvard instead of Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I don't know. I can't think of what I, I else mean, I the forgot. Thing is, now that I'm saying Julie Art, it does make sense. Like, yeah, it's like in the same way you go to Cal Arts, you right. want to Julie Art. You go to Julie yeah. Art. <laughs> but no, it's Julie, it's Julie Art. Art. Also, it's impossible to spell. I can never remember if it's U-I or I-U. It's Julie Art. <laughs> it's not even Juilliard. You have to literally like jump through hoops just to spell it. Maybe that's the first challenge of getting into Julie Art is spelling it. <laughs> I'm going to make... A rival university. Is it a university? I don't know. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if it was like a boarding school or something. I, it, no, 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 Juilliard. It's like, it's a, yeah, it's a college. Okay. Well, my whole deal is not knowing what the hell it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I genuinely thought was like mythical. Like there were points where I was like, maybe it's not even real. Like maybe it's just something in like. It's like books. Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> but it no, would be I, funny if, if Harry Potter was the same, but they all went to Juilliard instead of Hogwarts. <laughs> Okay, so it is real. We've established that. But I want to make a, a rival school called Juilliard, and all the, yeah. the dummies that think they're applying to Juilliard actually get into Juilliard, and um, that's how I make it my It can cash. be the comedy, for, and then all the classes are taught by improv comedians. <laughs> it's kind of like how whatever Harvard has, like, the serious newspaper and then the joke newspaper. Mm. And then all those people go on to um, write for NBC sitcoms. Yes, and nothing but respect and congratulations to all of them. What is it called? Like the Harvard sunken asshole? <laughs> the the Harvard lampoon. The lampoon, yeah. And they have like, I don't know, that culture. They have like a parade where they invite some woman celebrity. Do you know about this? I think I've heard about it, but you can continue. It's like they invite some woman celebrity and there's a parade and it's like a joke. And then all the straight guys are kind of dressed, are wearing boas because it's funny to be feminine. Yes. They definitely have like, what I know about them is like vague hazing rituals. Yeah, yeah, hazing, but like not even having the courage to actually like accidentally kill anyone. I know. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> Grow up. Like have some actual violence in your hazing rituals. I mean, it's so like. The hazing is literally like, can you think of a pun? And if, and <laughs> I bet you can't drink a whole orange juice. Yeah. <laughs> literally the most cowardly people on the planet are yeah. anyone associated with the Harvard Lampoon. Yeah, your children. We should send them to war. <laughs> Genius. I mean, literally, if and if either war or we just send them to like Arizona State frat hazing. A hundred percent. There should actually not to be too high concept, but there should be more um, foreign exchange programs within universities. That are different. Yes. Yeah, like it's like it's not just it's not just like oh yes, yeah, someone comes from China and then someone American goes to China. Like it should be more broad. It should be like someone from the Harvard Lampoon goes to Arizona State. Like someone from Juilliard goes to the military academy, and someone from the military academy has to do Uncle Vanya. You know, <laughs> like. This actually is genius and would, like, um, revolutionize how, like, people perceive others. I know. Well, okay. I know I've talked about this before, but it goes back to my idea of having public service that isn't military themed. <laughs> like, there should be more, like, basically from the ages of 18 to 22, the government should fund a program to, quote, mix things up. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the goal of 18 to 22 should be to mix things up. Yeah. Keep the government program between 18 and 22 weird. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm all in on this idea. 
So, okay, so this is our look back slash on our meteoric rise. Wow, that's where we got lost. Meteoric. Oh, I see, I see. I'm sorry, that was my bad. No, no, no. Never, ever apologize again. Okay. Because you have built this podcast from the ground up with your bare hands. Well, but I, but, but it was not just my bare hands. It was your bare hands. <laughs> we and together. It was, it was actually us both using our hands to do mime work mm-hmm. and build an imaginary wall. Yeah. And yeah, we had some help from guests along the way. But, yeah. Um, and, you know, corporate funding, the U.S. military. We've <laughs> discussed that. Like, we're not going to get into it again. <laughs> um, George, I have a question. Was Please. there ever a moment in the last two years where you thought, I just can't do this anymore? You know, I'll say this. The repetitive routine of having someone on and then the next day without fail that person suing us for millions of dollars <laughs> did get old you know at some point i yeah. was like this is getting exhausting i am up to my eyeballs in legal bills mm-hmm. i am in debt i employ multiple lawyers all of whom are in fact julie art trained <laughs> in lawyer performance. So they know they learn how to be a lawyer from watching shows like Law and Order, Law and Order SVU. So they're not very good at actual legal work, but they're very dramatic. So they'll show up frazzled with, you know, um, kind of a a bunch of papers and show up to my office and be like, I object. But then the papers are empty and don't say anything on them. Like the suit was made by the costume department. And it's been kind of a struggle in that sense. Constantly getting sued by our guests. Constantly having to be represented by out-of-work actors. (laughs) Yeah, it is tough. And I think maybe we underestimated like the legal prowess of the Brooklyn alternative comedy community. Um, Because like they are like so on top of it and like some of the lawyers that they've introduced us to by having them sue us have been (laughs) like so smart. And like, if they weren't suing us, like so nice, like these people, like, yeah, like the reason we know each other is because they're suing us. But like beyond that, like as people, I feel such a connection with them. That it's so, I was literally going to make the exact same point. Like some of our best friends now are the lawyers of past guests who have sued us. And so in that sense, we've really we've created a community. I mean, we have kind of burned bridges with every single guest along the way, but then their Mm -hmm. lawyers have actually been very nice to us. And, you know, you could say it's transactional in the sense that we pay them um, the sums of money that they uh, (laughs) sued us into paying and we had to settle. But on the other hand, they're fun. They're fun. And, you know, you can't we've talked about this on the podcast. You can't control how you meet new friends like exactly it's hard to meet friends as an adult like if you're meeting people because they're suing you like sure that's as valid as going to you know a bar it's and in fact in some ways it's healthier because you know this person has a job you know this person (laughs) is productive you know this person's probably a good influence on you exactly and they know your finances your legal (laughs) uh needs you know um yeah so i think that part of it has been very nice Mm mm-hmm what would you say, looking back, has been your best memory of the podcast? Wow. My greatest memory of the podcast, well, it had to be <laughs> when we uh, hosted that episode in which we surprised two people from Ohio with their dream wedding. 
Mm-hmm. Because what we do, you know, when we're sort of making jokes and sort of like making fun of like, oh, straight culture, it's felt so nice to give back to straight culture and uh, yes, and like fund a beautiful wedding in Cincinnati. And like they were so surprised and we had all their friends and family and it was just such a moving day. I think for me, it really speaks, if I can be so bold, it speaks to our kind of authenticity and also our selflessness that we record, you know, hundreds of what we call charitable episodes, but <laughs> never release them. And so, you know, yes, we release the episodes where we're talking to our gay friends, then they sue us, then we become friends with our lawyers. Like everyone knows that and that's fine. Yeah. But in the midst of all of that, we do kind of, we have kind of a, you know, not to compare us to this, but we have kind of a queer eye type thing happening where like yeah. for every normal episode we record, we also organize a wedding in Ohio. <laughs> and I think what is really nice about us, which you mentioned, is rather than trying to gay up their wedding, we actually just fully commit to their vision. Mm-hmm. You know, there are pants that don't match the jackets no. for uh, the the groomsmen and also the groom himself. Nothing is color coordinated. No. The food is completely average. Completely just... It is catering with a lowercase c. <laughs> it is, we're talking a, a slot, like a kind of a ball of rice. And then on top of that, a hardened piece of fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't ask for anything out of it. We just, as long as we get to officiate and give all the speeches, then then that's right. Then we're good. And there we do take some liberties. I mean, because we'll do the kind of thing. I don't know if anyone listening has ever, let's say, ghostwritten a book. But what you do is basically you develop a relationship with a person whose name is on the book, the person meant to be writing it, and then, you know, try to access their voice and write it from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we do. So, you know, we will work very closely with clients and, you know, learn, okay, so you met at UW. Uh, okay, so you met at work at the PR agency that represents the cupcake store. <laughs> and then we will take that and, you know, zhuzh it up a bit. Yeah, just sort of, you know, we'll say, okay, so the cupcake store, when we talk about this, we're going to say it's a cake store. Yeah. Because it's we need it to be a little grander. Cupcakes, I mean, what is it, 2007? Right, exactly, yeah. You know, some of you will be like, you know, we met at UW. I'll be like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> And I'm not going to look it up. No. It's I'm not gonna... dub. Dub is not a letter. You know, you have to d- explain to people dub. That's not a letter. You know, no, dub. No, it's simply not a letter. We're going to say. just a sound. You, you met know? at and Yale. It, and this is okay? someone who We're gonna say has you met gone. Yale. <laughs> yeah. This is someone who has gone through life just being like, you dub, you dub, you dub. And you have to be like, stop saying that. <laughs> people, we have, of course, gotten flack because the way that we select these couples is a little bit exploitative because sure. we, we you submit for the program and everyone has to pay sort of a, a fee of $500, an application fee. And then we sort of, you know, go to each of their homes and sort of see how they act as a couple. And it kind of is a competition. We make them sort of, we, we always do like a reading challenge where we make the couples read each other for filth. That's and... right. And people, people really, people really enjoy that. Um, I mean, not literally, but I feel like it is good for them. Yeah. And then whoever, of course, wins, we give them their 
not dream wedding, but their very practical idea of a wedding. Right. Well, and, 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 you know, when you say we give them for legal reasons, I don't think we're allowed to say that because we don't actually pay for any. We actually just attend the <laughs> wedding they would have had anyway. Um, so so just to recap, we attend the wedding they would have had anyway. And then we also don't allow anyone to give speeches. We give them for them. Yeah. So basically, just again, <laughs> I don't want to like I just want to be very candid about this. Mm-hmm. They throw a wedding. And then we uh, do all of the performing at that wedding. So it's kind of like one of those comedy shows that happens at a bar. People don't know it's going to happen. I, I, some some would call it an ambush show. We don't like that kind of language. No, very violent. We, we like to call it more of a chosen wedding. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty much my happiest moment, I think. Yeah, I think that's... I think, and I think we've touched on, you know, happiest moment, definitely giving back. Um, and saddest moment being sued every week, week in and week out. And then silver lining moment, becoming friends with the lawyers that sue us. Of course. I want to ask you, George, do you feel you've learned anything about yourself on this journey? Yeah. Um, you know, I always suspected that I had a very shrewd business mind. <laughs> uh-huh. But I'd never gotten the chance to really apply myself in that way. Mm. There is something about limiting ourselves to, you know, I'm going to do a show at a small Brooklyn venue. I'm going to uh, do a a writing packet to apply to be a writer on Jimmy Fallon. I'm going to write a script with the hopes of one day someone reading it and and making it. And the thing with this podcast is it made me realize, like, you got to think global. You got to think when I'm when we're scripting each the episodes are fully scripted when when we are scripting each episode. At every point, I'm throwing in something for the Australian listener, something for the Swedish listener, something from the Ugandan listener. There is, it, it is it, the same process that Netflix uses to make shows that appeal to different audiences. And I think it has been very nice for me to view comedy as a business rather than an art. Yeah, I could not agree more. There was a moment, I remember we were getting drinks and you you know, I was sort of like, I think it would be fun if we sort of like leaned in this, like maybe maybe more of an improvisational tone and like Mm -hmm. maybe, and you were like, you literally grabbed me by the shoulders and said, Sam, there's an entire market in China that is untapped. That's right. I did. And you said, do you know how many fucking people live in China? And I said, I have no idea. And you said, you're about to find out. And then (laughs) you, (laughs) and then because we were in a bar getting drinks, Right. right? And so you took the, the like, the, the draft uh, thing and you poured and you said each drop is a person and then you just let it run onto the floor. <laughs> and yeah. I'll never forget the whole place was flooded with, with Bud Light. And that's right. You, you finally, <laughs> you stopped and you said, that's how many people. And that changed my entire perspective because I saw, I suddenly saw the monetary benefit of expanding our market and our that's audience. Right. That, that was the day that I had found out, population of china and so i think i i was reading you know but i'm old-fashioned and i was flipping through my atlas okay uh-huh. I, I was flipping through my at- i have a, a very large atlas and a very large encyclopedia it takes up a whole wall of my apartment um there are many tomes and it is my life's work to read and memorize the, en- the entire encyclopedia and yes, sometimes I'm inspired in terms of my art and in terms of my business. But 
at that point, you know, I had gotten to C, which is China. China is under C in the encyclopedia. And and so, and I remember because I was like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to learn about China. Yeah. But I never knew where to look. Of course, at, at in that moment, it hit me. Well, you know, the encyclopedia, but it doesn't matter. I, so I was reading the China and one of the first sentences said the population, you know, it kind of, you know, it's like this is a country. It is in Asia. It has a population of X number of people. And um, and that's when it hit me. And I remember I called you and I said, Sam, we this was around, I would say, mid season one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We were stagnating. You know, we yes, we had some fans. There were a couple of Apple reviews, but it was, I, it was very clear to me that we were never going to be, you know, Marvel. Uh huh. And so then. Yeah. And and, and I, I, I'm, I'm really glad you you recognized well, I just remember, I'll never forget what I said when you finished pouring all the Bud Light as a, right. as a show of how many people are in China. Yeah. I said, okay, learns the population of China once. Right. <laughs> and I said, and I said, that's so true. Like, that is what happened. Like, and of course, you know, I, I understand that the, the beer thing was dramatic, right? But I, as you know, I'm a lifelong, I'm, I'm in... So I'm, I've been for most of my life attending business school part time. Yeah. Okay. And I go to maybe one class a month, but I, I am enrolled and I've, you know, lost millions of dollars. And uh, so I, you know, you learn that th- that's kind of how you sell a business concept, you know, call it an elevator pitch. You have to, you have to leave people like you have to do something for someone to remember. You would yeah. not have remembered the population of China if I just said what the number was. Well, and I think it's like you're a lifelong teacher. Like that's literally what it is, you know, like. Right. I know you don't like to like think of yourself that way because like, you know, you like to think of yourself as a businessman, but like what you are is a teacher and like, like you have such a skill with showing and making people remember things. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, my feet were sopping wet. I couldn't forget it if I tried. Yeah. Well, you were, it was bad for your health because then, you know, you were kind of in these soaked, um, you know, we were far away from home. So then you had to walk all the way home soaked in beer. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, was, and I, and do you remember I said, I, it was January and I actually hid your jacket. So you were in a kind of a t-shirt and, and pants. And I remember still, we were walking back, you were soaked mm-hmm. and, and, and shivering. And you said, George, I need something. And I said, I looked at you and I said, remember this moment. <laughs> I mean chills because because you were right I was being I was being a little petulant you were trying to make a point and I was uh-huh. looking for the easy win and it was like I kind of needed that wake up call truly yeah and thank you for saying I'm a lifelong teacher I mean I don't like identifying as such just because teachers you know yeah are are kind of pathetic and don't own conglomerates and uh, are weak and don't have ambition and uh, you know, mooch off of society, right? Whereas businessmen are the backbone of society, job creators, uh, quintessentially American, uh, all I've ever wanted to be, kind, generous, should run society, should be president. Oh, and not to mention handsome. And handsome. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I can always tell, I can spot a businessman from a mile away because they're so handsome. And I. <laughs> Yeah. And I say, ooh, I got to get me some of that. So to kind of keep going on, you know, we're, I think, organically each asking each other a question. Um, Sure. We're we're finding a rhythm. And, you know, listen, this is a look back, but it's also a look forward. So my question for you would be, you know, we are where we are. 
we are meteorically either rising or descending <laughs> depending on whatever linguistic tradition you recognize. Yeah. And so my question for you is, as we continue our rise and or descend, where do you see the podcast going in the future? Wow. This is such a great question. So thank you for being so thoughtful in how you ask questions. Anytime. So, so <laughs> I think this is an obvious one. I think we're going to need to find sort of younger, hotter replacements for us, probably yeah. within the next six months even. Right. I think, you know, the podcast industry is cruel and you know favors you know the 22 year old twinks that like are down to suck anyone off for for a laugh and yeah, yeah. and at this point you know we've we're <laughs> um what's the phrase like road tired and worn out or something and oh yeah yeah rung rung dry rung and dry sucked clean and sucked clean <laughs> yeah and so i definitely see you know, younger, hotter versions of us coming in and maybe the science is unclear at this point, but I do think there will be a way in the next six months that we will still be able to put our brains inside of their right. bodies so that yeah. we sort of get to continue. We are still going to be the host. It's still going to be our thoughts, just, mm -hmm. you know, a, a little more cinched, a little more, um, a little more yassified, a little more yassified, a little hornier, a little, a little more down for whatever. And um, so that's kind of what I see. Yeah, it's it is something we talk about a lot. I mean, obviously, all photographs of us are very, very edited to make us look much younger than we actually are. Yeah. Um, for a while in our live shows, we've been using holograms that were created when we were in our early 20s. Yeah. Rather than performing live. Um, you know, we edit our voices because we actually sound like like grandfathers on their deathbed normally yeah I think, you know our our real voices are kind of like come here little girl <laughs> um and and so we've been able to use um yassifying technology that we patented to make us look sound and feel younger than we are but ultimately like the cracks are showing mm -hmm. and so i do think a more sustainable solution is what you're saying to, to kind of have a more medical intervention where we <laughs> choose two very young twinks yeah that are willing to take some risks give up their lives or autonomy medically yeah. right <laughs> and you know i think i think when we find the right people it will be an honor for them of course i mean it's history it's herstory one that's right um and that like to be a part of something so amazing for the gay community uh it would be an honor i think for anyone and we actually are going to start taking applications. So um, if you could just send us your $500 application fee along with maybe a one-page letter about why you think you'd have the perfect body to put our brains in, we'll yeah. be having our people read over those and, and definitely be getting back to you. Yeah, and you have to sign a very restrictive NDA. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, for this process, obviously, our both of our teams were like, okay, well, what, what are you going to... What are you gonna do with your bodies when you're not using them right. anymore? Do you want to donate them to science? And I something about that just didn't feel right. No, I I just don't want my body to be in like a goodwill, you know. So I'm not. Gonna I donate agree. It. I also the idea, you know, science as we've talked in the past, like we we value the humanities more than we value STEM fields. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'll donate my body to the humanities, please. If you wanna pump me 
full of uh, a kind of de-aging fluid and then use me as um, a, a figure for figure drawing classes and support and support the arts, then yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, but if you, I'm not going to be a cadaver. No, if you want to cake me in cement and uh, put me in the damn MoMA, right? Sure, I'm not opposed. I'm not completely opposed to that. That could be nice. If you want to cut my body into pieces <laughs> and then have Marina Abramovich create a kind of conceptual location-based work called Body of the Faggot <laughs> and have people come in and, and, and look at it and, and, you know, kind of maybe there could be a kind of provocative touching the art element where they mm. play with my remains mm-hmm. and throw them around. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that sounds much more interesting than being a heart donor. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, that's controversial. So, yeah, we're not going to donate our bodies to science, but we will donate them to the humanities and arts. Yeah, because it's also like, I'm, and I'm not trying to be like a fucking bitch or whatever, but when people's like hearts stop working and they're like, can I have yours? It's like, no, you had one. Like, <laughs> right. you had your shot. That that one is mine. <laughs> uh, but thanks for asking, I guess. Yeah, like, I'm actually not going to just give you my heart because you <laughs> used yours up. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like, there are rules here. Like... That one's mine. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you get it. Like, like maybe if you didn't use your heart so poorly for your life. Like, mm-hmm. also, it's like, how do I know that, like, once you get mine, it's not going to fuck up because now it's like you're the one using it. It's just right. Well, it's also like, why would I donate my heart to someone who did not treat theirs well? <laughs> like, I'd rather donate my heart to someone who already did a good job with their heart. Yeah. Like, if, if a and person I can trust them. <laughs> I can trust them to do a good job with mine. If a person with a really healthy, beautiful heart was like, can I have your heart? I'd probably be like, sure. Like, yeah, I actually think that would be kind of nice. Like you could have two hearts and like, I guess. And and I would say society at large, you know, there's so much attention on people who need help and Mm -hmm. not enough on people who are wealthy. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I just think it's like. People who are sick get medicine, but it's like maybe people who are healthy want medicine too. Right. And maybe they actually deserve it because they've been being really good. Right. And this, this idea that people deserve medicine, like I think, you know, it would be a really interesting idea if actually medicine was prohibitively expensive <laughs> so that then if you need it, you know, maybe let you have to work hard for it. Yeah. Like, and that'll be, that will honestly just make the experience better because you'll feel like you really earned it. Exactly. And then, and then it's like, okay, yes. If I, if you work really hard, then maybe I will give you my heart and charge you, you know, let's say a certain number of millions of dollars um, mm-hmm. that I then donate to my estate because I'll be deceased, presumably. But <laughs> until then, I just, I can't be part of this kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in pulling oneself up from one's bootstraps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Okay, George, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, in the future, who would be your dream guest and why? I mean, I'm trying not to be too obvious here because obviously it's Jen Psaki. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, we have our weekly drink with her and we always talk and we're like, she's always like, I want to come on the pod. But like with my job right now, I guess she's working at the White House. Yeah. With my job right now, like they don't allow me to do certain things. In fact, I think maybe I shouldn't even be talking about this, but she was all, you know, she's kind of like a really crazy girly. Like she's she, like funny. 
she's funny and like gets blackout drunk whenever we go out with her and then does i mean she's kind of like one of those classic like not to stereotype but like classic like bachelorette party at a gay bar type girls like she loves like as a joke pulling down our pants and like slapping our balls <laughs> and she's like it's okay because you're gay like that's that, that's kind yeah. of the vibe and like yeah, if, if someone else did that to me, I would maybe be offended. But I think she kind of makes it work. Yeah, there's something about it where it like doesn't feel... It feels almost retro the way she does it. It feels like purposeful. Totally. And she always says like... She always says like, I'm not gay, but I would totally make out with Kate Bosworth. Yeah, she's always saying that. And it's like, maybe you're a little bi. And she's like, mm, my people don't exist. And it's right. like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which I love. I think it's kind of cool that she that she... I don't know. It's like she doesn't let the the changing times interfere with her <laughs> beliefs. And I think that's what Joe Biden saw in her when he hired her. Yeah. I mean, she she projects such a strong sense of self. Yeah. That like, honestly, most people like when I'm with her, I feel inspired to be the most me I can totally. be. Which is why it's even more impressive that then when she's doing her job, that sense of self goes away completely. You know, <laughs> she'll be on the podium and suddenly she's a spokesperson for the White House. And that's called being a professional. Like no one would know that mere hours before that, you know, we had been doing ketamine off, in fact, off the streets of Manhattan <laughs> with her. Yeah. And she like pulls it together. Like in a way that's like so cool it's like so nice to see like a girl can like work hard and play hard like yeah and she really does work hard and play hard she is very violent i mean she gets into these bar fights and there's almost something like you know you're like i didn't know people still do this like she'll like break a beer bottle and 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 and, you know draw blood like stab someone (laughs) with it you know and it's because someone is like someone will come to her and be like aren't you that jen Saki girl and she's like I'm off the clock, bitch. Yeah, yeah. She's like, can't you see I'm with my fags? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it's weird. She's like kind of protective of us in a way that's like kind of territorial. Yeah. Um, And like in a way that's like, you know, this is a casual friendship. Like you don't need right. to sort of be that way. And like we like assure her that we like like hanging out with her and stuff. But like there's just something where it's like she craves like control over us. Right, right. It's, um, what's the word? Dehumanizing, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. She kind of treats us like little puppies. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes it's nice to be coddled. And it's nice to be taken care of in that way. It's and... nice to be taken care of. And like, you know, obviously with our various legal, um, ongoing legal battles, like she does have her ear, like she, the White House is in her ear. What's the expression? She has her ear in the, she, she has connections, let's just say. <laughs> and like, she is able to move the needle a little bit and so yes we are embroiled in various legal dramas but like we're never gonna be you know in jail you know what my favorite thing about hanging out with her is what is like literally she gets to have like she has like the white house credit card and yeah she'll be like you know i can actually charge it to the to the business and we just have to like talk about government for like a little bit i love when she it's so naughty when she like winks at us and she's like this one's on joe <laughs> Yeah, it's she's so I it's so funny. It's so funny. And it's like, yeah, thank thank you. Like, this is why it's nice to hang out with people that like have jobs and like work I know, for, like I know good companies like the government. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my favorite company. <laughs> yeah. So I think she'd be good. I mean, she has said she wants her. Um, <laughs> this is like so her, but she said she want her topic to she wanted her topic to be pantyhose. <laughs> Oh my God, that is so funny. She is so weird. Because she was like, when I was young, like my mom would always wear pantyhose and I always thought that was like so straight. 
Yeah, because it's like no one does that anymore. Like no one. Yeah. Am I right? Like no one in Brooklyn does that anymore. Yeah. And it's she's like, like she she can yeah it's, she gets it. No, she's funny. Like she could have done like the stand up thing. She just chose like a different route. Yeah. Well, I mean, in many ways, she is doing. I mean, she is like doing stand up. Like she's speaking into a microphone. She's like kind of twisting the truth in a way that makes it more compelling. She's. Li- um, I mean, she's a storyteller. She's a storyteller. I mean, she and and that's the thing. Like. She was always better at those storytelling shows than the like straight stand up. And mm-hmm. she would resent that because she like thinks of herself as more of like, you know, uh, you know, like a traditional stand up and she doesn't like the term storyteller. But I think, yeah, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And it's just I don't know. I think she like shows like such a maturity towards performing where it's like it's not about the medium. It's about like what you want to say and saying what totally. you want to say and like. She's like, I can do that in stand-up. I could do that in songs. I could do that at, you know, press briefings. Like, it doesn't right. really matter how I'm getting it out. It's the fact that I am expressing myself. Yeah. And, like, you know, Jen Psaki can do Amy Schumer, but Amy Schumer can't do Jen Psaki. <laughs> that is so fucking true, King. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that would be that would be my dream guest. Um, and, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to actually lob that question right back at you. Who would be who would be your dream guest? Wow. My dream guest. That is so, so tough. Um, Got it. Um, let me make sure I'm getting the name right. I, I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah. Okay. Hear me out. Tim Cook. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tough because they say, like, don't meet your idols. Yeah. And in many ways, what you're saying is kind of where our conversation has been leading to. It's like, we're not artists or businessmen. We like, you know, we don't want to limit ourselves in the entertainment industry. We want to go more global. Like, who is more global and anti-art than Tim Cook? It's he really hits on like, he's like doing what we wish we could. Like, it's so impressive and powerful that he's like you know in charge of literal apple literal apple and yeah he's gay too yeah yeah it's it's the type of thing where i'm like you know whenever we released a podcast i'm like god this is so small like it's not scalable like how do mm-hmm. we take an episode of our podcast with let's say max witter patty harrison marcia Belsky, one of our guests how do we take that and make it so that everyone has their own episode of the like personalized episode of the podcast that's not possible no it's not possible we haven't cracked the code no we need to figure out a way to make our product Mm -hmm. in a more mass regular way yeah it needs to be mass produced there needs to be there needs to be a marketing there needs to be a product development team we need to hire designers quite frankly quite frankly a great team of designers we need to go minimal i mean we don't even have a we don't even have a like Apple has Think Different. We don't have anything like that. We try to introduce our podcast every time. We're like, uh, welcome to the podcast where two gay guys talk about straight culture. Already, that's not punchy enough. It's so wordy. It's so, it's, it's, it's frankly lazy that we do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think Tim would come on. I think he would come on. I mean, you know, I know that, like, you used to date him, so it's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It was complicated. Um, basically, okay, so all of the ideas for Apple were mine. Mm-hmm. And he 
gaslit me into like he would be like I will give you credit like it makes sense right now for me to just do this since I'm already working there. Yeah. And then obviously when I'm on top, let's say when I'm CEO, mm -hmm. uh, I will bring you in and then all of this will pay off. And of course, as you know, like when he did become CEO, he not only didn't bring me in, but he cut me off financially um, and then kicked me physically with his foot out of the <laughs> house that we shared together in Cupertino, California. And so I guess you're right that it would be dramatic. It would be like weird for me to have him on. Yeah. But at the same time, like what would it's like, what would Tim Cook do? Would he not have someone on that could help them take their podcast to the next level just because they used to date and he was physically abusive? <laughs> no, like you have to think above that. Yeah. I mean, and it, I think it could be a really nice moment for you two to sort of work through some stuff, too, because like, you know, this could be your Jeremy O'Harris episode. This That's could right. be your Nick Nanny episode. Like, mm -hmm. I think it could kind of let people in an emotional level that I think the listeners would really love. And I think you and Tim could like grow and maybe have like a healthy friendship yeah. moving forward. You know, and I'll say this, like he has a huge cop. And I was going to ask. And so thank you for just offering that and not making me yeah. like beg for it. It's kind of, it's part of why he's so good at business. Oh, well, how big are his loads? <laughs> wow. It's actually hard for me to talk about, so I don't want to answer that one. Okay. But um wait. But I think you know what I think we should do. Our final segment, aka Our first segment. Final segment. <laughs> Which is that uh, we are, to get serious for a second. Um, yeah, we need to get serious for a the, second. The, so we, of course, there is a Discord channel dedicated to this podcast, which is one of our greatest joys. And if you want to be in it, you can join our Patreon. And there is a channel in it um, called Straight Shooters, where people submit their own straight shooters. And uh, horrifyingly, we have never even read a single one of them on the podcast or engage with them in any way. It is truly abhorrent. And so we thought it would be a good idea to, to take the occasion of our second birthday to, you know, read a, read read a few of them and do them ourselves. Well, I love that. I think we should just pick randomly and read some. I agree, yeah. And we can like go back and forth. Let me let me get on. Okay. Well I'm gonna start with a new one. Okay, great. Um okay George. Mm -hmm. Say less or Mandy Moore. Wait, isn't it less is more or Mandy Moore? No, it's say less or Mandy Moore. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Mandy Moore. Mm, beautiful. Um, okay, Tyson Ritter or Dyson Vacuum? Dyson Vacuum. Okay. <laughs> okay, George. Sam doesn't vote or a Brooklynite and their canvas tote. Sam doesn't vote. Mm. Okay, Sam. Mm -hmm. The Korean demilitarized zone or Britney Spears is in the zone? <laughs> um, Britney Spears is in the zone. Whoa, okay. Pharrell has synesthesia or Jojo Siwa has traction alopecia? Oh, I have to actually go with Pharrell has synesthesia. Wow. Now I, I know, it's everything. unexpected, but it, it makes sense if you have my kind of complicated reasoning <laughs> okay sam 500 days of summer or 120 days of sodom <laughs> um i'm gonna go 120 days of sodom george 
Charles Dickens, Dick Cheney, or the Dixie Chicks? Dick Cheney. Mm, genius. Conflict is not abuse or love is a battlefield? <laughs> Conflict is not abuse. Telfar bags or Kevlar vests? Kevlar vests. Hmm. Maybe we'll do one more each. Okay. Captain Jack Sparrow, ordering the bone marrow or being on the straight and narrow? Mm, ordering the bone marrow. International Women's Day, International Players Anthem, or International House of Pancakes? International Women's Day. Ooh. Well, those were just some of the beautiful straight shooters from our listeners over at the Discord. And um, I think that that's this has pretty much been our look back. I, you know, can't believe we made it um, both in the two years and in this episode. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> This episode did feel like at any given point we could have gone off the train tracks. And yet, I have to say, we have established, to be earnest for a second, such a sense of trust (laughs) that despite that feeling, I actually never felt unsafe. There were there were like moments where I would be like, what if I run out of words? And then it was like, you know what? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's it's actually feeling like you're about to be off the train tracks is a is a feature not a bug as they say. <laughs> yeah i also um genuinely am like it's funny we came up with the premise of this episode one minute before recording right and the premise being we fake look back and we just <laughs> yeah, do yeah. bits <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it i hey i had a blast i really think it worked Me too i really did i'm like ready to i'm ready to re-enroll in ucb <laughs> Well, good luck. They're burned to the ground. <laughs> yeah, good luck. They're bankrupt, bitch. <laughs> okay, well, well, you know what? Happy two years. Happy two years. Thanks to all Love the listeners. Ya. <laughs> Love ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.